Take your Bibles this evening. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. This evening we're going to look at the example of the manger. The example of the manger out of Philippians chapter 2. When you find your place, will you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the word of God? Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, the word of God says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill ye my my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse number six, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for allowing us to have life, Lord, allowing us to have breath, Lord, allowing us to have the energy, have the ability to come, Lord, and come here to the auditorium, have the ability to to listen and have people listen and watch on, on the radio and Facebook. Lord, we thank you for the freedoms that you've given to us, Lord, to worship you, Lord, how the Bible says that we should worship you. Lord, we do pray this evening as we, again, as we come to the time of the preaching of your word, Lord, where we look into your word, where we look for your example that we can follow. Lord, that you will open our eyes. Lord, that you will direct our thoughts. Lord, that you will illuminate the scripture. Lord, open our eyes that that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, may you be lifted up. May you be glorified. May you and you alone be seen. Lord, we pray that you you will increase and we will decrease. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. You think about December, and you think about the holiday that's about to come up that we love called Christmas. Now, there's a lot of controversy concerning when was Christ actually born? Because a lot of people say, well, they didn't, people didn't start celebrating Christmas, you know, in, on December 25th right away. It was later. You know, to be honest, that's actually somewhat true. You see, the early Christians, they didn't celebrate Christ's birth. Christ's birth was not their focus. Their focus was on the cross, on what he did for us there. The fact that he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day for our sins. That was their focus. But as time went on, Listen, the focus didn't change, didn't change at all. What happened, and the reason we celebrate December 25th is because that's actually probably when he was born. 
And what they wanted to do in celebrating his birth was to simply remember why he came. It was to celebrate, again, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So if anyone asked you, what's the reason for the season? It's, it's not his birth. It's his death. Listen, if, if Christ didn't die, be buried and rise again for our sins, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. We wouldn't. But it's because of his death, burial, and resurrection that we do. But when we look at the example of the manger, what we're looking at is the example of why did he come? What, when he came, what did he do? How did he do it? We're looking at the example of the manger. We're looking at our example who is Christ. Now, each of us growing up, we had examples. And to be honest, we all still have examples now. We have people we look to and thinking, how should I live? What should I do in this situation? How should I react? And we look at people that we respect. We look at people that we think, these people are following the Lord. These people are doing what's right. I want to do what's right, so I'm going I'm I'm to follow them as they're following the Lord. We do that. My kids, whether good or bad, they follow me. Whether I'm doing right or whether I'm doing wrong, they follow me. I am their example. Sometimes I wish they didn't watch me, (laughs) but they watch me and they mimic me. And church, as my kids, or as you, if if you have young kids now, as your kids mimic you, or as your kids did mimic you, You should mimic Christ. You should mimic Christ. There's so much reason to. You think about everything we have in Christianity. And this is is the reason that Paul actually gives. In Philippians 2, 1, it says, If therefore there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy. First, you look at the first part of the verse. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any Comfort. Church, is there comfort in Christ? Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was a just and same was a just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Second Corinthians 1 5, for the suffer as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. So our consolation, our comfort, aboundeth by Christ. Second Thessalonians 2.16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself in God, even our Father which hath loved us and hath given us, I love this, an everlasting consolation, an everlasting comfort. Listen, the Holy Spirit consoles, but Christ is the consolation. Christ is the comfort. If I may use this figure, the Holy Spirit is the physician, but Christ is the medicine. I love Spurgeon. That's what he said. That's a good quote. Let me read that again. The Holy Spirit consoles, but Christ is the consolation. If I may use the figure, the Holy Spirit is the physician, but Christ is the medicine. When you look at this this verse, it says, does there be any comfort in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit 
If any bowels and mercies. You look at all those things. All those things are true. And they're not just true, but they abound in Christianity. And so what Paul's doing here is he's simply making a rhetorical point. He really could have just said, if the water's wet, or if the fires are hot, or if rocks are hard, then this is what you need to do. And so let's look tonight. What does Paul write? What does Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, write? Number one, we see that by example, we need to follow God's true like-mindedness. In Christ, there is true like-mindedness. Verse number one of Philippians, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort and love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill ye my my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Church, this speaks of devotion. This speaks of devotion. Now, we know what devotion is. If we really inspect our life, we all have devotion to many different things. We have certain things we like. We have certain things we don't like. We have certain clothing companies that we like. I have recently uh, started to really like Joseph A. Bank because they give me cheap suits for that are actually pretty good. They're low in cost, higher in quality than a JCPenney suit. Sorry, JCPenney's, but you lost my business, all right? But I'm going to keep buying from them until they no longer fit my needs. Many of you also know I love technology. I love technology that works. Because one thing I don't like is having to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours just to get my technology to work. And so one of the things that led me to is I like Apple products. I do. Now, the one thing I was really happy to see when I first got here, the sound room was filled with them. Thank you, Gino Sharp. And you know what, though? We recently, in the last couple years, redid the sound room. I think it's been like two and a half, almost three years ago now. It's been a long time. Do you know what we didn't do? We didn't change away from Apple products. It's what I know. And if I'm going to be the one working back there, it's what we're going to stay with. Now, here's the thing. If they change and I have to start spending more time getting my technology to work, my devotions will change. There is nothing more valuable or more worth it than a relationship with God. There is nothing more valuable or should be kept more than a devotion to God. We have misused the word devotion. We say, oh, did you do your devotions today? And in our mind, yeah, I read my Bible for five minutes. That's not what the Bible means by spending time in God's word every day by having a devotion to God. Well, what does the Bible mean then? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. When? Thou shalt talk of them 
when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and that and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. We go see a movie. We get a new boat. We get more essential oils. We brought them up this morning. We'll bring them up tonight. And what can we do? We get a new gadget, and we can't help but just tell everyone and show everyone. And we have this new thing, and oh, you have to see this, and it's just the greatest thing ever. We can't stop talking about it. Why? Because it's permeating our minds. You ever notice that what's permeating your mind is what you talk about? The Bible should permeate our minds. In Bible college, we were always told to preach from the overflow. And at first, I wondered what that meant until I experienced it. You get so filled with just thinking about God and thinking about the things of God and just excited about God that you can't help but tell people. When's the last time you were there? Listen, that state of, of, of just joy in the Christian life and not being able to, to not even be, not being able to hold it in should not just be for preachers. For every single Christian, it should be, I can't hold it in. I have to tell you about Jesus. He's so good to me. Can I tell you what he did? Because I couldn't help but tell you what he did for my mom. What a wonderful thing. Isn't it great to be able to, to, to look and say, listen, can I tell you about our answered prayer? That just happened? Rather than thinking back, like, yeah, I had an answered prayer in 1975. Or was it 1970? How is God working in your life now? Are you devoted to him now? Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. You think about that. Meditation also has the idea of a cow cow has multiple stomachs. It'll take the grass off the, out of the ground. It'll chew it. It'll swallow it. But it's not done. It brings it back up and chews it again. And then swallows it again. And, brings, and does that multiple times throughout the day. It's about time where we, we read the Bible in the morning. And then remind ourselves about it throughout the day. And think about and meditate on it throughout the day. But the hard thing is, and the thing where we're falling short, is that we're not meditating on the things of God. We're not filling ourselves with the things of God. We're filling our, our minds with the, with, with the world. I find it interesting that in Psalm chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Now, leave it up there. The word imagine there, do you know that's the same word in the Hebrew for meditation? that we find in verse number 2 of chapter 1 of Psalms. And so what it's saying there, why do the heathen rage and why do they meditate on useless things? We just spend all our time thinking on the temporal 
parents. We allow our kids to spend all their time thinking about useless things. And we never, as Deuteronomy says, talk to them about the scripture when we're out and about, when we're at home, when we're up and about, when we're sitting down. But when we wake up before we go to bed, we should be teaching, taking every opportunity to teach our kids about who Christ is and what he's doing. We have to have correct devotion. We have to have correct devotion. Now, I'm not saying that a new boat is bad. I'm not saying that things that we have in the up and the blessings that we have are bad. They're not bad. But given the wrong place, they are. Given the wrong place, they hold us back. But when our devotion is in the correct deity, then we'll be going the right direction. When our devotion is in the correct deity, then we'll be going the right direction. Listen, if you put something above God, you are worshiping it as God. When you put something above God, you're worshiping it as God. So when our devotion is in the correct deity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then we will be going the right direction. So the example of Christ that we see, it not only just speaks about devotion, it speaks about direction. You look at verse number, two, verse number one of chapter two of Philippians, it says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. Fellowship is the ancient Greek word. It's an ancient Greek word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. All right. I'm not pastor. You can ask him how it's pronounced. Okay. It means the sharing of things in common. We share life with the Spirit of God that we never knew before. The Holy Spirit fills, fills and guides and moves in our lives in a powerful and precious way to which we have fellowship and he gives direction. Verse number two, it says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. If we have the same devotion, we'll be going the same direction. Now, it doesn't mean that we're coming from the same place. We have a people in here with a lot of different backgrounds. But if we have the same devotion, we're all going towards the same finish line, and that's Christ. I was at the store last night, had my kids. That's always fun. Charlie goes off that direction. Kobe goes off that direction. Like, all right, do we tag team this or do I just yell? Well, sometimes I couldn't tag team it, and so I was like, Charlie, Kobe, back here. And what happened? Well, sometimes nothing. <laughs> but for the sake of the illustration, I'll use the times where they stopped, and then they came back, all right? But there are times, why well, it's Charlie, he'd stop, and then he'd be like, do I have to? I'm like, yes, you have to. Uh, I thought that was a teenager, not a three-year-old. Uh, and then he'd come back. But here's the thing, he'd come back, and Kobe would come back. He's, he still comes back. He's, he's, he just turned two. He's, he's, he still loves me, okay? But they came back, why? They heard my voice. They recognized my voice. And so they came back. They came back from different directions, 
But they came to the same point. Why? Because they heard my voice. And just because he was on this side didn't, didn't mean he was going the same direction. He's just going to the same point. We have a lot of different backgrounds here. But listen, if we have the same devotion, we'll go the same direction towards Christ. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. This is Christ speaking. And I know them, and they follow me. Here's the interesting thing about this. There are still people in Israel today called the Bedouin shepherds. They are still shepherding the exact same way that the shepherds did in Jesus' day. With the exact same breed and species of sheep that they did in Jesus' day. Now, do you know the interesting thing about the sheep that the Bedouin shepherds shepherd? They follow the voice of the shepherd. They don't need a sheepdog. They follow the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd just has to make noise and the sheep know where to go. And so you can imagine being in the first century, being there with Jesus, listening to Jesus, saying, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's what you're thinking about. Christian, Christ is speaking to you. Christ is speaking to you. He's telling you to follow him. To follow him. We see that there's the example of true like-mindedness, but also true lowliness. It speaks of recognition. We all like to be recognized, right? But Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. We see this example in Christ. Philippians 2, 7, first part of the verse, it says, but he made himself of no reputation. I remember when I started helping out more and, and becoming more involved in leadership at my last church. And I remember being in charge of different things and then getting up and you know, making sure I thanked people. And I remember the pastor taking me aside before I did. And he said, Charles, you need to make sure that you thank everyone. Because if you don't thank everyone, then people are going to get mad because you didn't thank them. Can I tell you my thought? My thought, and people might call me green at that point, but let's be honest, it's true. Why would they get mad if they're doing it for Christ? Why would they get mad if they're doing it for Christ? People who are doing it for the wrong reasons, Christ talked about those type of people. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5, And when thou prayest, thou, sit, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Christ came and humbled himself and became of no reputation. Listen, if he sought recognition, oh, he could have made sure he got it. But he came and he made himself of no reputation. 
Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. Church, we can't lift ourselves up. We can't lift ourselves up. Speaks of recognition, but it also speaks of rank. Verse number three, again, of Philippians 2 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Again, we see this with Christ, too. Verse number seven, But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of the king. Right? No, he took upon him the form of a servant. Listen, it would have been humbling for him to come and be born king of the greatest empire ever to exist. But what did Jesus do? He came and he was born the son of a poor carpenter. He took upon him the form of a servant. We see this in verse number 45 of Mark chapter 10. It says, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ came to serve, and therefore we should be servants. Every one of us should be servants. You think about, think about that. Not a single person in this church should, should think that they are coming that should think that they're above coming in and cleaning the toilets. I'm just saying, not a single person should think they're above coming in and cleaning the toilets. Now, is it something you should look forward to? I can be up to you. We did just hear a message last week about giving thanks for everything, okay? But none of us are above that. You think about Christ. Again, we're looking at his example, right? Let's look at John chapter three, 13, verse number 3 through 5. And says, Jesus, I think this is verse number 5, actually. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands uh, and, had, and that he was come from God and went to God, verse number 4, he rises up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself, verse number 13, verse number 5, and that after that he poured water into a basin and... Now, if you had not known the Bible, if you did not know what came next, knowing that this is the King of kings and Lord of lords, how would you finish this? What would the King of kings and Lord of lords do? How many of us really say that he knelt down and washed his disciples' feet? Now, Listen, washing feet back then was not like washing feet now. When they walked on the roads, they were walking on animal feces. And the dust and everything was the dust of animal... It was not good. And that's why the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant was the one who got to do that. It was the job you fought not to do. Yet that's what Jesus willingly did to his disciples. Verse number four again. He riseth from supper 
and laid aside his garments and took, the, took a towel and girded himself. And after he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Listen, washing the disciples' feet is probably the equivalent of cleaning the toilets today. Just a little dirtier, to be honest. When we follow the example of Christ, church, we will be servants. We won't just sit in pews. We will serve. We won't just be served. We will serve. We need to follow Christ in this manner. We see... Number one, that the example of Christ is true like-mindedness. Number two, true lowliness. Number three, the example of Christ is true love. True love. Christ cared. Christ cared. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ cared. And we should care. Philippians 2, 4 says, look not every man on his own things. Now, this does not mean that we don't look after our, our own interest at all. But it says, but every man also on the things of others. We should be more concerned about the concerns of others than our own. We should be more concerned about helping others than helping ourselves. I'm humbled by my wife's example. So even last night, we went out Christmas shopping. Did we need a Christmas shop for our family? No, we have everything that we have. We, 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 my wife's a bargain shopper. Throughout the year, she'll just look for the bargain and she'll buy it up. And we had our shopping done by October. It was fantastic. But last night, we went out Christmas shopping. Got to do it for the Christmas banquet. Got some fun gifts for this, this Christmas banquet. But we went because there were some people in the church that she wanted to bless. She knew that, you know what? I don't know if they'll really have all that much stuff this year. I want to go get them Christmas presents. That's a good example. I love my wife. But she's not the best example. The best example is Christ. We have no better example than the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, we know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, I have compassion for my kids. I care. I care a lot for my kids. I care a lot for my kids. You, know, you can't be a good parent unless you care for your kids. You can't be selfish and be a good parent. You can't be selfish and be a good Christian. When we look at the Old Testament, look at the flood and what God says about the population before the flood, you know what I think their greatest sin was? Selfishness. 
every thought of their imagination was only evil continually. You know, I think it was, you could probably put there was only selfish continually. They loved themselves more than anything else. And they loved only themselves. When we look at what the Bible says, and some have compassion, Jude 22, and some have compassion making a difference. Listen, church, can I say this? It doesn't, it's not enough just to care. It's not enough just to care. Because I don't like getting on Facebook every, you know, that much. But every once in a while I do, and especially after a tragedy, you always see all the Facebook profiles. They just change. And they said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm with, you know, such and such, or I'm with such and such. And they, they change their profile pics to let them know, like, hey, I'm with the victims of this. Okay, good. Did you do anything? Like, did, did you do anything other than just change your Facebook profile? I feel like the kind of, that's a lot of times the kind of way we are as Christians Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pray. I'll pray. I'll, I'll pray for that. I'll pray that someone else does something about it. But we don't do it ourselves. Listen, it speaks to charity. Christ's example speaks to charity. Charity is not just love. Charity is love in action. We look at Philippians 2.8. It says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Listen, you can say all you want. Yeah, I'll die for you know, the people. But it doesn't matter anything if, you don't do, if you didn't do it. You can say you'll go and do something for people, but it doesn't matter at all if you don't do it. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I, my kids just provide so many illustrations. So I'm going to use them again, but... Would I be a good parent if I told my kids that I would take care of them, that I would provide for their needs, that I would do my best to keep them safe? But when it came time to actually do anything, I wasn't there. When it came time to actually do anything, I didn't do it. Yeah, I said I would. But what does a prophet man if we tell him, oh, be warmed and clean? And we send him off and back into the cold. Church, we got to do something. You cannot truly be following the example of Christ and not actually be doing anything for him. If you're following Christ's example, if you're following the example of the manger, you will do something for Christ. I say, Christ wants to use you. Christ wants to use you. You might think, well, I don't know how. Let him figure that out. You say, well, I'm not very mobile. What about having someone over your house for a Bible study? You don't have to be very mobile for a Bible study. So I don't know really, really how, to, how, to, how to study the Bible. Well, ask someone who does know how to study the Bible to be a part of the Bible study. Talk to people. Ask them, how are you doing? Is there anything I can pray for you for? Man, we've lost that today, haven't we, church? Oh, man, sickness is going around. I just need to get in and get out. 
can't really talk to anyone because I don't want to get sick. Listen, the world's scary. The world can be a scary place. But we can't let our fear get in the way of encouraging and edifying and helping others. We're supposed to love the brethren. Listen, that's the church. That's the difference that's supposed to be in the church, that we love each other. That we love those in the church and that we love those not in the church. I'll never forget going and working out with one of my friends one time. And we'd go and we'd run for a while and then we'd lift for a while. And we'd have the gym for like two or three hours and we'd talk and we'd talk and we'd talk and we'd talk and we'd talk. And I remember just in the course of the conversation one time, I just couldn't help but just continually thinking, what is he actually doing for Christ? Like, what is he actually doing? He, he, would, he would, when we'd have a activity, when we'd have a ministry, when we'd have this or that, he would come for it and then he would leave. He wouldn't help with a single thing. He would just be there having fun and he'd leave. And I remember just looking at it, just stopping the conversation. He's like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, what? What are you doing? It's like, what do you mean? What are you doing for Christ? Like, how are you actually serving him? And he looked at me. I think he was taken back by a little bit. But he had a good relationship. And he didn't have an answer. He would come to church and he would sit in the pew and he'd make the pew very warm. Church, that's not serving God. You should be in church. You should be in church, right? Listen, before, this is my first full-time position on staff, and I praise the Lord for being able to be here. Before then, I worked a secular job. And there were many times where at the secular job, I was given promotions or offered promotions. And I got excited about the promotions, but here's the thing. Church was important to me, and church is important to me. And so when I would find out, like, oh, I'd have to miss church. Now, I'm not trying to lift myself up, but you have to, we have to think about this as Christians. I turned it down because I knew I had to be in church. Christians, being with believers, being in church, serving the Lord should be your top priority. No matter what you're doing. Now, I'm not saying that if you have to miss a service because of work, that you're, you're, you know, the Bible says not forsaking. You need to be in church when you can be in church. We need to follow Christ's example. We need to follow him in true like-mindedness. Where's your devotion? We need to follow him in true lowliness. It's not about our recognition. It's about his. We need to follow him in true love. We need to serve others and not serve ourselves. Church, that is the example of the manger. It's about lifting up God's 
name. It's about the glory going to God and to God alone. And that's what we see happen with Christ. Look at Philippians 2. I'm done with this. Philippians 2, verses 5 and 11 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Verse number nine, wherefore, because of that, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven in things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Didn't Christ say in Matthew chapter 5, that we are to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father. How do we do that? We follow the example of the manger. 